Welcome to the podcast. It is Muddy Cleats, and we continue our World Cup tour. And this time, we stumble upon the shores of Scotland. And he's not in Scotland, but his heart is in Scotland. It's none other than the Tampa Bay Rowdies coach, Coach Neil Collins. Coach, we've spoke many times on the phone before and on web meetings. This time, we get to go one-on-one and actually talk some football. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me, Ryan. It's uh... Pleasure to get to talk to you. Well, you know, you're not going to get away that easy. I actually have some statistics here to bring everybody into this show. Coach Collins, former Scotland U21 national. This is going to raise some eyebrows. Played for Sunderland, Sheffield United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Leeds United, and finished up as a Tampa Bay Rowdy. 583 league and cup appearances. Turned into a coach. 2021 USL Championship Coach of the Year and led the Tampa Bay Rowdies to back-to-back Eastern Conference Championships in 2020 and 2021. Coach, I'm exhausted after that long appearance. Let's just wrap up this podcast and go home, will you say? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic career. I mean, uh, unbelievable. I, I just read all those clubs that you played for where it all began. I know it was Kinmar. Help me out with the, with, the, with the club it all started with. Starts so with a K. Yeah, come on. That's the team that I grew up supporting, and that's the team that I played as a um, kind of in, in an academy. I was part of their academy, but that's probably the fuel that because um, I got released there when I was 14, 15, and went on and played in the lower leagues in Scotland. And uh, when you read out some of those teams, Brian, I'm like so honoured to have had the opportunity to oh. play for them. And um, very fortunate that while I might not um, be the most famous player to ever play for these clubs, very fortunate to play um, in a couple of those clubs and very successful teams that, you know, I was I was able to be part of someone that won a trophy at these clubs, so that was special. Coach, I just want to ask you from someone from the outside looking in, what is it like to play professional football in that part of the world? Yeah, well, I mean, Ryan, we're, um, we're very similar in the respect to, I think we both love football and, you know, if we weren't part of it as we are, we'd be watching it and sure. supporting our teams. And that's how it felt for me, was was like a fan that, that got to play. Um, I remember the night I made my debut for Sunderland. I had been at university six months prior and... Um, my dad that had supported me all my career like flew down to London to come to the game. What a moment. And I think he couldn't quite believe coming to the game that he was coming to watch his son play for Sunderland in that environment. And uh, while once you get there you you wanna play your best, you wanna achieve. Now and now and again you just uh kinda wanna pinch yourself sure. that, that, that you get to Playing and actually walking into the Sunderland dressing room for the first time and seeing a couple of guys that you've watched on the TV for years. <laughs> um, but once I crossed the white line, I was quite happy to kick them just the same as everyone else. So <laughs> I love it. You know, like the competitiveness just comes straight in. Sure. 63 appearances for Dumbarton. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. 81 appearances for Wolverhampton. 177 appearances for Sheffield United. 61 appearances as a rowdy in that group that I just call the 
What was your greatest moment as a professional oh. footballer? During what, what period of time? Wow. Um, you know, I'm going to give you a couple, I think, Ryan. Sure. Um, I think playing at Wembley for Sheffield United on, on two different occasions. Uh, the playoff final was funny enough the biggest disappointment in my career because we, we lost on penalties. Um, you scored You scored a penalty? I scored a penalty that night, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, not enough of us scored penalties. So we, uh, And then playing in the FA Cup semi-final for Sheffield United uh, was an unbelievable run um, as a League One team. And then again at Sheffield United, playing at, at Old Trafford in the FA Cup, um, you know, being a Manchester United fan growing up uh, and going to Old Trafford to watch Manchester United, but getting to play there and, and, and actually play well was, was special. But as, as you know, it's, it's like kind of saying, who's your favourite kid? There's so many yeah. good moments. Sure. Like, you know, scoring, score, I, was, I was so fortunate to score some winning goals for Wolves in really important games. Um, and those one-off moments are are pretty that's what you practice we talked about okay you know playing out the backyard you the type of player I was I used to envisage scoring a header in the last minute and in front of the fans and I got to do that so those are special moments as well you know all right Sheffield United we're going back to Sunderland get signed by Mick McCarthy what was that feeling like pretty decent contract step up going up to Sunderland what was that moment like? That that you know, when you talk about moments, you that was probably one of the most surreal um moments in terms of being a Manchester United fan, being a Roy Keane fan. You know, Mick wasn't a, a great name in our household, but from the moment that I met him, he was the he was the most high profile manager that I had went to sure. on tri- I'd been on trial a lot, Ryan. So I'd been in trial at Charlton when they were in the Premier League. I'd been in trial at Rangers in Scotland. I felt Mick was the first person that really looked at me seriously. Um, and straight away, I felt, gave me an opportunity. So to sign for Sunderland was was really surreal. Um, to go from, as I say, being a university student and playing part-time yeah. to a club that that size, I just wanted to savour every day um, at the training ground. and. Um, Within a couple of months, I made my debut, and um, the whole thing feels like a lot of wins. But yeah, it was it was a real surreal experience to to make that jump up. But I thought it was a kind of reflection of I'd worked very very hard while at university alongside my studying to, to to put myself in position to do that. Now you mentioned Roy Keane. Mick moves on. Roy Keane comes in. Your idol. He doesn't give you much of a look. Why? No, I think, um, again, different points in your career, different things. So Roy Keane's first, very first game that he came to Sunderland and he was in the stadium. We played West Brom and I remember being pretty aware that I wasn't a well-known player in that squad and Roy Keane wouldn't really know much about me as a player and uh, I thought I had to make an impression. And I played against John Harps on that day, who's you know played for Celtic, Welsh International, 
Yeah. I played great, really played well when we won 2 0 and I scored. Nice. So I thought, brilliant, that's the best I could have possibly done. But then it was an international break and Roy came in, was really good, but he signed a lot of players. And um, in his first game in charge, he changed the team. And uh, I had worked so hard, Ryan, to get in the Sunderland team yeah. and to play well and, and then get left out. I was So I went to see him, the first player in the club, to go and see Right, And you know what? It was the best thing I've ever done because I think he really respected me for Good. going to see him. Um, and he was brilliant. And I came out of that room feeling a million dollars. He, he said, look, you're part of my plans. Um, you'll get your chance. We won on the Saturday. I was on the bench and he changed the team on the Tuesday to go to Leeds and he put me in at right back and actually played one of the best games I've ever played. Wow. Uh, we won 3-0. And I kind of got a run in the team, but I was playing at right back. Um, and then I was in and out a little bit. But I was at a stage of my career when I wanted to play. Sure. And Mick phoned me, air phoned uh, Sundon to take me. And I just felt at that stage... I needed that um, one thing I think Roy Keane would admit himself at that stage was he's still temperamental but he was very temperamental and for a young player you were going to be in and out and he was chopping and changing and uh, I I kind of chose to go to Wills Um, but if I'd stayed I think I would have had opportunities because Roy Roy was he asked me to stay he wanted me to stay And, and, and sometimes I do think if I had been a bit more experienced I would have stayed and, but I just wanted a little bit more security and consistency and um, sliding doors moment but I don't regret yeah. it because the, the three the three years at Wills were possibly the most enjoyable of my career and you did the best with what you had with the knowledge that you had at that time you made the best decision <laughs> that you had that's all you can that, do right that's the best way of looking at it Ryan yeah. and, and, I, and, I, and I think that now that um that's the kind of attitude that made me who I was at the time. Sure. I wanted to, I wanted to play. You know? Now, um, so yeah. cool. now pe- people don't realise this. So back in 2002, uh, where Ireland was, was getting ready to, they, they made the World Cup and they had to train. Mick McCarthy was the coach of the Irish team. Roy Keane was the captain. Roy Keane and Mick McCarthy had this big bus stop in Japan, 2002. We fast forward to 2007 and good old Mick McCarthy wants Neil Collins in Wolves. So he has to call up Sunderland and speak to the man he has not spoken to in five years in Roy Keane. And now Coach Collins has Roy Keane and Mick McCarthy on the phone talking so Neil Collins can get to Wolves. What a story. Um, any, did, did you ever get any sort of inclination or discussion about that spat? I, oh... Um, it's, it's quite interesting you say that because I was intrigued by that whole uh, yeah. dynamic. Um, but when you speak to people that were part of that squad, I mean, I played with guys that were part of that squad. Um, they don't, to be fair to them, they don't really divulge uh, too much. I sure. think um, it was just a situation that, that, that snowballed over many years and unfortunately came to a conclusion at the worst at the worst time. Um, unfortunately, Ireland missed like you know their best player at a World Cup. Um, but equally, 
Roy probably put Mick in a very difficult situation. Um, sure. So, yeah, I, I certainly look at that from a different point of view, having got to to know Mick, you know, um, see his perspective a lot better. And I think uh, it was very, again, surreal when you think growing up, Roy Keane, and then <laughs> yeah. you, you, you're, you're the person that they end up yeah. having to talk about. So it was a kind of funny moment. And I've, you know, it's my claim to fame, Ryan. I'm in Roy Keane's book because of it. <laughs> I love it. That's great. All right, we're moving on. 2012. I'm sorry, that was the hottest feel where, in, yeah. in Wembley. What was it like playing in Wembley? Amazing. I think... Um, Just larger than life kind of thing? Yeah, I think Wembley, if you're from the United Kingdom, but I suspect from, from most people around the world, Wembley's an yeah. iconic stadium. Absolutely. And when it was uh, redone as well, I think I've, I've spoke to many players better than me that never got the opportunity to play there. Yeah. So to actually get to play there um, was special. But to play there and win is the ultimate, and I never managed to do that. Um, that was a heartbreaking day uh, to lose the way we did. But, you know, again... To play in those games, I think you've got to look back and say you were fortunate to get to play in those games as well. Absolutely. So you move on and just correct me, the, the correct team that you played for, but you move on a couple of years later and you form a partnership, I think it's with Sheffield United, with a young Harry Maguire. Young Harry Maguire who goes yeah. on to play for Leicester and now Manchester United. What was it like playing with Harry Maguire? And what was, I heard you guys, what I read, you guys made a fantastic little partnership at the centre-back position. Um, what was it like playing with Harry? Yeah, I mean, uh, me and Harry played together over 150 times. Um, <laughs> he came into the team as an 18-year-old and straight away I was saying to my dad that this guy's going to the top. Yeah. Um, so consistent, so level-headed, um, so good on the ball, so strong. Um, of course, in his first season, he made a couple of mistakes uh, that you would expect a young defender to make, but his consistency was exceptional. Ryan and um, together for the next three years, we built a great partnership. But at the end of each year, I couldn't believe that teams didn't just come and sign him. Really? Um, they just missed on him. They just, I think they looked at him as his aesthetically and uh, probably had misconceptions about him. But he then was one, go- he was a little gawky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, of course, he's, he's six foot five yeah. and he's, he, he's so big. So you automatically think he can't move, but he, he can. And yeah. What changed, I think, was in, in 2014, we went on this FA Cup run. I mean, we went to Villa Park and he just bullied Benteke. And this was Christian Benteke and it was like... Yeah, I know. up the Premier League, you know? Yeah. Um, so, look, the best thing I can say about Harry is he's, he's one of the most level-headed people I've met and uh, I'm still in touch with him. And, and I think it's a measure of the guy that I went back to watch him play for Man United and then came up to the players' lounge after the game and he brought me a jersey for my son. But he had, another, he had another jersey 
and my friend was with me. And again, he didn't need to do it, but straight away he was like, oh, look, here's a spare jersey, I'll sign it if you've got kids. And he did it. And um, He's just, a, he's just a normal guy, right? That's yeah. In a, in a normal family that support him, so that's, that's the only reason I want England to win any games at the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> could you could you just bring to light for the audience that's going to listen to this? The is it more heat? But what, what what's what's the relationship like with Scotland and England? I mean, you kind of need each other, but yeah. uh, the two brothers sort of keep knocking shoulders all the time. But in the end, you sort of need each other, right? Yeah, of course. I think um, I made a career in England. My wife's sure. English. My children okay. were born in England. Um, you know, my favourite film's Braveheart. I think if you watch that film, I, yeah. it gets you a good understanding of like, <laughs> history. But I think, you know, over time, um, hatred's too strong a word. Like, as you said, I think it's um, just a great rivalry. Uh, sure. Just a just a great rivalry, and we're we're, we're very uh, passionate about our country in Scotland because we are a small nation. Yeah, but there's no hatred for me. No, it's just uh, I was I was very fortunate as a young kid to go to Wembley and watch Scotland beat England at Wembley. Um, that was one of the you know again a great learning experience to see the rivalry um, and soak it in. You know. No pressure on you at all, but who is the greatest defender you played with? Well, that's easy. We've already spoke about um, Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire, okay. You know, I think um, I'm obviously biased in, in respect sure. to him being my friend, but I think the, the treatment he's received over the last year uh, is a sad sign of the times that we live in with social media. Um, yeah. And people who don't know football. I don't know football, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan, this is a guy that was in the World Cup 2018 team of the tournament. He was in the Euros 2020 team of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And people would have you believe that, you know, he's a pub player. Um, he's been very unfortunate that he's went to Manchester United. They're probably one of the worst periods of the club's history. Yeah. And um, one thing I found about being a centre-back is you're only ever as good as the guy next to you. And probably the two guys next to you as well wouldn't take the full-backs if they could. Yeah. And one thing Man United have had is a, is a poor poor defence, a poor squad. So he's yeah. been the captain of that and he's rightfully taken some uh, some stick because he's not been his best, but nowhere near the levels he deserved. So no, Harry's definitely the best uh Defender that I was fortunate enough to play beside, and I played beside some really good ones. But Harry, Harry was top off. You growing up, we talk about your sons in the backyard. You know, playing the the, you know, evolving and harnessing their talent. What player did you want to be, or what defender did you look up to growing up? Um, so you know, be, being a Kilmarnock fan, um, there was a couple of like Kilmarnock players that are not well known. Yeah, that's fine. And I think, and I think that was Ryan, where I was very fortunate that I got to go and watch uh, proper football. Um, support my team. The commander would be playing against like Celtic, so you'd see Henry Larson, you'd see Paul Gascoigne, you'd see Brian Loudrop. But the team that I supported, there would be really good players in those in those teams that I would respect and like and see things. 
And that's why I encourage like local families in Tampa to go and watch the Rowdies because you're seeing yeah. really, really, really good players. Maybe not world-class players, but like top professionals that your yeah. children that play can learn from. But to cut long story short, I think uh, I had Yap Stam in the back of one of my Man United strips as well, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yap Stam was a pretty uh, yeah. pretty good centre back, so yeah, I would see. definitely be happy to uh, try and be like him as well. Sure, sure. You know, just to piggyback on what you said about coming to watch um, a high level of any sport, my dad played for the West Indies, and he he would um, when we had coach cricket and so on, he would give us the day off if um, let's say the West Indies or England or anybody was in town because us going to lay our eyes on that level of the sport was more beneficial that day than being out on the practice field. You know what I mean? Go and see what the highest level looks like. And then the next day, go try and be like it, you know? I think that's so clever, Ryan. As someone that understands um, development, you know, like um, Norwich City, we're here training um, recently. Yeah. It's great that I'm able to take my son... And, you know, whether it would be watching someone bowl and then think, right, I want to try and... You yeah. see someone strike a ball the way they can strike it. Like, I remember growing up watching the professionals warm up, the way they would drill it across the top. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's go and try that. Let's go and play yeah. that. You know, that's, and you can't wait to try it the next time, right? You can't wait to try it. And that's where you get a, a real sense um, of how good and how fast and how strong... And I think when we were watching the World Cup, we're all guilty at times of forgetting. People have got no comprehension about how quick and strong Kyle Mbappé is. Like, oh, my God. They think he's quick, but he's running past guys <laughs> that are really quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he still looks quick, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, loved, I loved going to watch football. And it's the only thing, you know, my son, I'm... Lucky he comes and he's a ball boy at the Rowdies, so he gets a real up close. But I don't get the opportunity doing the job I do to go and sit and watch many games with him, which is, um, you know. All in good time. Yeah, all in good time, right? All in good time. Um, This is a World Cup sort of feel to it, this podcast. You know, growing up, any World Cup moment that sticks out here? Or when did you start? When was your first World Cup you laid your eyes on as a kid? 1990. 1990, Italy. I wanted Italy. Uh, I wanted a Toto Scalacci jersey. Uh, <laughs> I wanted a Scalacci jersey. Um, and I actually wanted an England jersey. And that got, that got like... That got, a good team. Yeah, they were. They got, I mean, they should maybe have won it, but yeah. that, got, that got squashed quite quickly from my dad. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> uh, actually, like, it's, only, it's only so far I can go, son, okay? It's as far as you can go. Yeah. I, funny enough, Ryan, remember my dad coming home from work and Scotland had been beat by Costa Rica and at that time you know that was a big upset and uh, sure. yeah, my dad was not happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that, I've got fond memories of the 1990 World Cup and then um, yeah. since it's a, a World Cup slash podcast um, I was actually at the semi-final of the World Cup in uh, 94 in uh, Brazil in yeah, Brazil Sweden yeah wow what a game but, family holiday and uh, we were in California and we managed to get tickets the day before the game um, and Romario scored so 
I mean, that's so this guy in the field with the head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, watching the World Cup, all the World Cups you've watched. Um, if you're anything like me, life goes in four-year cycles, right? It's a World Cup year. You tell me what day it is or what year it is. I remember what World Cup and who won it, <laughs> sure. right? That's what. That's how life goes. Um, favorite World Cup, World Cup player or moment? That's good. That's good. Um, I mean, unfortunately, since 1998, Scotland have not been in. Yeah. So I'm going to need to think about... Uh, Is so it a Brazil, a Italy? Uh... You know, I think, I think the 94 one for me mm-hmm. uh, was a special one. I think because that's when I was 11, really okay. into it. Um, sure. I remember being allowed to stay up late and watch uh, Ireland play Italy in the New York Giants stadium. Great and, game. And, and Ray Houghton scored the... Yeah. He lobbed, he lobbed Paul Yuka. So like, yeah. I think moments like that, because I can remember, you know, I had a tournament the next day, but I was allowed to stay up and watch. And okay. That's what the World Cup's all about, isn't it? Yeah. yeah watching those games. Um, and good for your dad to let you stay up because yeah. we just talked about it. You watching that game and watching that level, you're not going to want to try it the next morning, right? Exactly. And then you want to try and score that type of goal. <laughs> um, so I think, I do, I, I do think that World Cup, because I remember Bergkamp scoring a fantastic goal against Argentina as well, like last minute. Yes. So I'd probably say the 94 World Cup. Incredible. That Bergkamp goal. Guy hits a what a thirty-five, forty-yard pass over the back, over the last the two centre backs. Yeah. He traps it over his shoulder with one touch, dribbles the defender with the second touch, and throws it in the far corner with the third touch. That's so, it. Game class. over. <laughs> absolute, absolute exactly. class. You know, great. Um, so come, you know, after that career in 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 Europe, in England, how did the connection happen? to come to the US to be a rowdy how did that connection occur yeah I think yeah, I, I, I was a big driving force in that Ryan having come to the US and particularly coming to Florida for the best part of 15 20 years um, I wanted to try something new and I, I would have went elsewhere in the US had it not been the rowdies but um, in 2015 while on holiday I went to a game at Ryan with a family, uh, enjoyed it, thought, you know, beautiful stadium, beautiful field, yeah. professional setup, good support. You know, from a family point of view, but also from a competitive point of view, this could be a good opportunity. And I reached out to the, the coach, Stuart Campbell, and about two weeks after that, he contacted me, he's like, yeah, we're looking for a centre-back. I mean, I'd only, I'd only a month earlier played against Manchester United Old Trafford. Like, I was playing every week for Sheffield United, but I yeah. just thought this was an opportunity that was, if I didn't take it then, I was probably not going to because you've seen the game. Yeah. The the older players coming up for Europe, over from Europe is happening less and less. Yeah. You, you, you know, so I just uh, took the opportunity and, yeah, um, I think, Everything just kind of came together uh, at the right time. You know, when you, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. When you come over from Europe and you, you, you came onto the field 2016, 2017 in the US, what, what did you see? What characteristics did you see from the US game that was good and bad? 
So I think um, very fortunate the club I came to, you know. So I thought there was so many great people behind the scenes at the club, uh, the groundsmen, the operations, uh, yeah. people like we like. I thought all these people are so helpful. They're all willing to do what it takes to be successful. So that was a great thing that you yeah. weren't like over there and you were left to just come around. So that was great. Coming to the right club, I was happy with the training facilities, the stadium. Um, the way the games were at Al Lang, it was like played football. You, you were getting to pass, you were getting to do the things that... In England sometimes, I mean, it's so much duels. Everything's about winning winning yeah. duels, and that's what I'd made my career from. But yeah. this was the ability to play, you know, um, 50 passes a game, which I really sure. enjoyed. But there was definitely a couple of days, Ryan, on the road where I thought, I don't know if I've made the right decision. Okay. You know, like we played Fort Lauderdale away in a completely run-down stadium. There must have been about 50 people there. Um, we went to Toronto too, played there on National Turf, and it was like nobody there. And I just thought, I maybe I came here too early. Yeah. Um, but Joe Cole was in the team as well, so I don't know what he must have been thinking. <laughs> <laughs> He's having to play with me. Yeah. <laughs> that was his thought process. Yeah, he's like, having to play with Neil Collins. Like, what, what have I done? <laughs> oh, um, you know, we're talking roadies. You played two years. When did you know? When was that moment that was like, you know what? I want to take the I want to take the step to run the team. I want to be the guy to make the decision. I want to be the guy to motivate. So I've known that. I've known that that's the role I want to. I want to. I've known that I want that role. I've wanted that role for a long time. But um, I obviously knew that I had a career to focus on. When Joe Cole asked me, Neil, like. Uh, Bill is probably going to make a change in the coach and I want to put you forward would you do it that's when I said yeah absolutely because I felt Ryan that that opportunity was too good an opportunity um, to turn down and I'm very fortunate that I probably started with the best job in the USL normally you get a job and you try and do well to get that job yeah. So I've ended up with the best job in the USL, um, or certainly one of them. Um, although we weren't the best team at the time, I felt we were still one of the best clubs in there. It wasn't it wasn't anywhere near as tough a decision as some people would think. What's the hardest part about coaching? People. Yeah. <laughs> Human beings. Yeah. I sort of a babysitting sort of thing, or? Uh, no, it's just the fact that we're all we all are human and we all make mistakes and we all have emotions and yeah. we all have good days and bad days and, and things happen. Um, and, I, and I say that tongue in cheek, but every day, what, what makes it great but what makes it so hard is the fact that you put all this work in and then your striker's ill or you put all this work in and uh, someone's got a family matter and, 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 and that's where... Yeah. You support that because it could be you, but you also think we're missing a star player for 
per Saturday and sure. it's just dealing with all the things that you can't control. Um, that's what makes it a challenge, but also that's what makes it the game that, that we love. Um, but that, that's for me, what's, you never know. You never know what's around the corner. Talking about what's around the corner, any inclination, any burning desire to head back to Europe and coach? So I think um, I go back to the, the, the boy that played at Dumbarton, right? And uh, quick story here. In the UK, they do like a match day program. Mm-hmm. So like you go to the game, you pay two or three dollars, you get a program and it will give you interviews. Yes. So every week was a different player. Same questions. Where would you be in five years? Mm-hmm. Being young, naive, I was like, I'll be in the English Premier League. Yeah. Well, the boys had a field day. You know, here I am, a university student playing in the Scottish Second Division, saying in five years' time, uh, English Premiership. So I got so, so much stick for that. <laughs> but Sorry. I was so single-minded. Yeah. And funny enough, within two years, I'd signed for Sundown. They'd been promoted to the English Premier League. And uh, uh, I think with coaching, I've got the same ambition. Um, sure. Maybe not as clear a, you know, in five years' time, I don't expect to necessarily be in the English Premier League, but I, w- I want to be as successful as I can as a coach. Um, but I'm also very aware that I'm in a great job that allows me to, to be the coach that I want to be and I'm able to control the things that I want to control. Um, and I, again, I'm also mindful that I'll only be in that job as long as the owners and the club are happy with me. And I think that's got to be the first and foremost. Like, I've got to keep doing that so that that doesn't change. But um, just like I tell my players, I want to keep improving so that the opportunities come and then I can make a decision on what's right. You know, for me, but I will want to test myself at some point. Coach, that is fantastic. That is as raw and as pure as you can get. Uh, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and just talking and enlightening and just sharing some some good football experiences. Um, I look forward to doing this again. This was amazing. Um, so thanks for coming on. Anytime, Ryan. Anytime you need a guest, give me a shout. I hope uh, everyone can understand me okay. Absolutely, they can understand me. They can understand you. So that's the coach. Absolutely, Coach Neil Collins. Everyone, a fantastic episode on Muddy Cleats. Look for it on any of your podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Muddy Cleats will be there. Coach, make sure and look up for it. Okay. So Neil Collins, and that is our fourth episode of this World Cup tour. So with that being said, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again on episode five. See you soon.